finishing their preparation. I think you folks know most, but maybe not everyone here. Uh, John Applegate is uh, uh, in charge of regional campuses, loosely speaking, for IU, uh, major part of what we're going to talk about today. You know Teresa, the Commissioner of Higher Ed. You know Stan Jones, but I want to make sure you know him as in his current incarnation. After a long, distinguished public career in Indiana, he's the president of Complete, of Complete College America. America which is an organization, um, uh, as its title suggests, uh, devoted to this topic of this morning's uh, announcement and really uh, to the one of the single biggest problems or opportunities facing our state, Tom Snyder from Ivy Tech, you know. So gather in, everyone, since you're all better, look <laughs> you're all better looking than I am, so we want you in the picture. Uh, I'm just going to say a word or two by way of preface, uh, and then Stan will uh, explain specifically the news of the day. Teresa will say a word or two on, about uh, what it means here on the receiving end. Um, uh, first of all, uh, I've said so many times, the uh, single biggest challenge and therefore opportunity in terms of the jobs future of this state is, is, the, our short, is to address our shortfall in post-secondary education, uh, college or other uh, learning after um, what we hope will be a much stronger high school experience for future Hoosiers. And we trail very badly other states and we're doing as many things as we can think of to catch up quickly, WGU Indiana being a, uh, one such example. And um, uh, today we're very thrilled that Indiana has been selected among a, a few states for uh, uh, support of our efforts to try to help more Hoosiers uh, move on past high school and move to a successful, and that's to say a complete college or other post-secondary experience. And uh, to explain uh, the next long step forward in this really important uh, uh, march, uh, let me introduce Stan Jones. Thank you, Governor, and congratulations uh, to the state of Indiana. Um, Complete College America is very pleased to uh, make this award of $1 million uh, to the state of Indiana uh, for the initiative. Uh, it's, uh, a million dollars is always important, uh, but it really is, a, I think, a recognition or a validation of the path that Indiana's on uh, in tackling uh, this very important issue of having more students graduate from college uh, and raising the education level of the workforce in the state of Indiana. There were 33 states that applied for the grant. Uh, it was very uh, strong competition. Uh, only 10 were selected. Uh, we had an advisory committee of 10 members. Uh, Indiana was one of three states that uh, was selected unanimously. Um, so it's really a testimony that it was a very, very strong uh, application. Uh, why are we here? Um, to pick up on what the governor said, uh, if you look across the country uh, in this recession, uh, I think one of the untold stories is that people aren't buying houses, they're not buying cars, but what they are doing is they're buying education. And we across this country have record enrollment, including in Indiana, uh, at community colleges like Ivy Tech uh, Community College, there's record enrollment, uh, double-digit enrollment year over year. And what does this mean? It means that people have chosen uh, in this difficult economic time to place their bet on higher education to take time from their family and from their jobs and what little money they have um, to place a bet on higher education as their way to steer through this economic uh, uncertainty. 
and we have a responsibility, uh, having accepted those students, uh, to ensure uh, that they can achieve the objectives they set out to. And you might ask, um, how is that working across the country? Um, even though we have record enrollment, uh, we are not seeing the kinds of numbers at graduation day that we'd like to see. Uh, students that start for a four-year program, uh, only about half complete, not in four years, but in six years, only about a quarter complete in four years. Those that start two-year programs, uh, only about 25% uh, complete in three years. And this is true across the country, and it's true in Indiana. Uh, one of the biggest hurdles is remediation. 60% uh, of all students that start at community colleges start in remedial classes, math and English. Uh, probably more stunning and stunned me when I found this out. 60% uh, of those that graduated from high school in the spring and walked across to the community college start in remedial classes as well. And at many of the regional institutions in the state, uh, as many as 30 or 40%. Uh, need some kind of refresher course. Um, sometimes they have to go back and get it from Ivy Tech. Um, so the challenge is there, and many of these students never graduate, uh, never get a certificate, um, walk away with some college and a lot of debt. Uh, so that's the challenge. It also takes too long. Across the country and in Indiana, it takes twice as long, four years, to get a two-year degree. Um, this proposal is targeted at increasing graduation rates, at reducing the amount of time that it takes to get a degree, uh, and effectively restructuring remediation. You know, most governors, when presented this kind of data, um, may turn to their commissioner, Teresa Lubbers, and say, this is actually your problem. I've got a state to run. Uh, but I think Governor Daniels, knowing Governor Daniels, I think he gets up in the morning and looks for a challenge. I know he does. Uh, and this certainly is a challenge that, that, that begs uh, a lot of energy and a lot of leadership. Uh, and the state has demonstrated this, um, that I uh, was uh, fortunate to be here the, the first year that governor was in office. And when community college legally became, uh, Ivy Tech legally became the community college for the state of Indiana. And that was significant. Uh, in the intervening years, uh, the state changed how they fund, started to change how they funded higher education. Uh, rather than paying for students that just showed up, uh, they're paying for results, students that actually graduated. Uh, and finally, in the last year, uh, WGU was launched, uh, which is a significant enterprise, um, unique in the country, uh, and, and really providing an opportunity for, for people that uh, need it, uh, who are working, who have families, um, and can't pick up and go to campus every day. Uh, so, so this leadership uh, that you've had from the governor and from the state continues with this grant. Um, as I said, it's, it's not only the million dollars, but it's also this recognition and validation uh, that this is the right direction for Indiana Move, uh, and we're very grateful that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation uh, gave us the money to be able to make this grant to Indiana. Thank you. Well, I think between the governor and Stan, you have a pretty good idea of what we're talking about today, but I just want to make a couple comments on behalf of the commission. You know, all the work that we're doing to improve K-12 education is not to get students just to graduate from high school. It is to get them to continue their path so that they have post-secondary credentials as well. We know that in the next decade, two-thirds of all jobs will need post-secondary credentials, and we're a far cry from having that in Indiana right now. We're really talking about a whole new paradigm in higher education. 
and it really uh, focuses on many elements, uh, starting with changing demographics in our state and our nation. What used to be considered the traditional student, the person who went off to college and lived there for four years, that's not the way most college students look right now. It's not that we have fewer people going to college, it's just that we have such great growth in the enrollment. So we have more people who are first generation, low income, minority, working. And we need to find new models of higher education that meet the needs of those students. So we have higher enrollments, changing demographics, we have uh, limited resources in all areas, and we have a greater focus at the Commission on issues related to completion, to quality, to affordability, and, um, and really to productivity and efficiency as well. And those are really, it's not that uh, higher education has been intentionally inefficient or unproductive, it's just that it's never been as important as it is right now to be able to meet the needs of these new kinds of students. Um, Right now, the proposal that we have had accepted from Complete College America is really going to give us the opportunity to jumpstart some very important initiatives. Uh, the, really, the redesign of remediation at our community college system. We're going to be looking at new strategies to focus on college success at our regional campuses. Often our regional campuses don't receive the focus that they should. And more and more of our students are actually attending those regional campuses and deserve a quality education as well. Um, so uh, we're delighted to be able to partner with um, higher education colleges and universities with the leadership that's represented here today by the governor, by Complete College America, by um, John Applegate, who is executive vice president for uh, regional affairs at the university, at Indiana University, and, it's court, and certainly Tom Snyder at Ivy Tech as well. Um, the task is not going to be easy. Moving that needle, just one percentage point in graduation rate is tough. And, uh, but we're very focused on it at the Commission. We think the good news is uh, that more than ever, people are focused on higher education. We've doubled the number of students who are going on to college, but as uh, the Governor and Stan mentioned, we're not getting them to complete at the levels they need to. And in order to do that, we need to reduce the time it takes, which will save money to taxpayers and save money to students and increase the likelihood that they will be successful. It's an important mission, one that we relish, and we look forward to working with our, our colleagues in doing that. I'd like to ask uh, Tom Snyder to make a few comments and John Applegate as well. Good. <clears throat> Thanks, Teresa. So uh, we really appreciate what the Commission on Higher Ed, the team is here today, Teresa Lubbers, going after this grant. It may seem a bit like inside baseball here to talk about remediation. So uh, our provost is here, Mary Ostry. We thought we'd bring it home to you. The governor asked me to pass out a five-question math test, all of you. No, I'm just kidding. So, but that is really the issue. The, uh, the issue is here is that every semester, 25,000 students, more than 10% of our students, are in some kind of English or math or writing remediation. 15,000 of those are adult learners, been out of school five years or more. 10,000 of those came to us right out of high school. So they need refreshers. They're not prepared to do college level work. How much money do we spend? We spend about $40 million, 35 to 40 million. Half of that comes from you, the taxpayer. Half of that comes from the student, and the student is borrowing half of that. So the students are borrowing $10 million to take courses for which they are not gonna receive college credit. That's the issue. What do we do today? We put them in four month continuous uh, work on reading or math and it's the national solution and it does not work. So with this money we're going to be able to leverage the one million dollars, the part that comes to us, to really get uh, new methods of doing remediation, to help people do things that are self-paced, to do them in modules, to teach them just enough math to what they need to make sure that they have the English skills to go forward. 
uh, it's an important national agenda because the numbers that we have here are multiplied by the numbers clear across the country. So what the governor said is critically important. Indiana, 33% college attainment. The U.S., 38%. That's troubling enough, but Korea and Canada, 60%. If we're going to be competitive in the world market, we're going to have to make some progress. The governor set very stringent performance goals. That's how we're going to get funded in the future. Uh, we're prepared to accept that challenge and uh, we really thank uh, Teresa for the opportunity. John. Thank you. Well, thank you, Governor, Commissioner, and thank you to uh, Complete College America uh, for the opportunity to uh, compete for this, uh, for this grant and for the award of it. Uh, Indiana University's regional campuses, I believe, are a, an essential part uh, of the state of Indiana reaching its goals of a significant number of additional uh, high-quality uh, baccalaureate master's degrees um, for the future. Uh, degree completion is, for that reason, um, an absolutely top priority, uh, both for the regional campuses as a whole um, and for each individual regional campus of Indiana University. And indeed, um, our recent strategic plan called Blueprint for Student Attainment uh, makes college completion one of our top goals. We've talked a lot, and, uh, uh, and a lot of people have talked a lot, about how, to, uh, how important completion is, uh, how to incentivize it, and how to measure it. What's really great about this grant is that it makes it possible to really start doing the work that will actually improve completion. Uh, from Indiana University's point of view, um, this is developing the kinds of tools of software and other kinds of tools that will allow students and their advisors to map out a successful path forward for them to see how they are making progress where they need to go. And we've found that that is an essential part of helping students who all students, but certainly students who are struggling in figuring out exactly what they want to do, what helps them to achieve their dreams, um, to figure that out, that this kind of support is going to be essential for that. This is, I guess I'd complete or finish by saying, um, this is really completion the right way. This is completion uh, incentives, this is completion support designed to help students achieve their goals, and that is exactly what we're in the business of doing. So thank you. Thanks, John. So uh, questions for any of these folks. Just one, one more fact, a learning point, I've, uh, something I've learned from these folks, but uh, you already heard how, sadly, a few of those who enter post-secondary education complete, let alone complete on time, but an even more sobering fact to me, confirm this uh, if I have it wrong, uh, Stan, is that uh, of those who need remediation, that very high percentage, only one in four who enter that remediation class will graduate from college. That's correct. And so we've got to do a better job of that. It's bad enough that that many uh, students uh, need basic skills just to get started, but if three of four are spending their own money, we're spending money on their behalf and then not finishing. You know, that's a problem we've got to do much better at. And that's where Tom and, and John's campuses and, and obviously this grant and the redesign comes in. So, um, yes, and um, I, I, um, I had meant to compliment uh, uh, President Snyder. Uh, Ivy Tech is really becoming a national leader on this, and they are. 
uh, currently transforming all their uh, technical programs uh, to an accelerated um, a model uh, that would be more block schedules where you would take, rather than going Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you'd go every day of the week and you can, you can finish in a more timely way, higher graduation rates. Uh, the remediation that we talk about, rather than taking it as a serial where you get flushed out, it would be embedded in the program. Um, and that's a significant part of, of what they intend to do. Plus, they intend to do that with regular academic classes is embed remediation uh, in the regular classes. And, and they're really becoming a leader. Uh, what Indiana University is doing at the regional campuses is really having a core curricula working with Ivy Tech that could transfer across the state. And in, in a more mobile society like we have uh, in Indiana, uh, this means students uh, won't have um, classes that they won't be able to transfer from one campus to another. Uh, so that's part of the proposal, uh, but, but both these uh, efforts have started already, um, and I think we're just adding kind of the jet fuel to help them uh, take the next step. Well, the, we, the, the, uh, the application uh, had, to, had to have the support of the governor. Uh, I think in Indiana's case, technically, the Indiana Commission for Higher Education is the fiscal agent. Um, but in every case, uh, the governor was the, the lead applicant uh, for the proposal. Uh, the application was that $500,000 would go to Ivy Tech for their redesign, $250,000 would go to the regional campuses, and $250,000 will be used through the commission to do things like um, uh, data mapping, to look at uh, extra, extra ways that we're going to be able to figure out how they can provide successes at those campuses. Some, we've hired a couple additional data people that we'll be working with in this regard. Uh, so uh, it will primarily be used at the institutions and will be passed through. But we will have some of it to be able to see if we can look at how you improve block scheduling and our cohort learning and what students have to know, some software, some uh, audits of the degrees that are, uh, the credits that are required at the institution now, so we'll be doing some auditing through the commission as well. Uh, so that's essentially how the money will be divided. Well, I mean, one of the first things that we'll be doing is to be recruiting what we're calling a remediation czar nationally to come in who is an expert in this, and we hope this will be uh, completed in the next uh, really few weeks because we know what we know, and we need people to come in with fresh ideas and new thoughts. We think that's going to be the number one step. We think also that in this program that we're starting this fall, which is uh, a program that we call Ivy Institute, which we'll be talking more later, is we're going to use a completely different form of, of remediation. So if you're in information technology, you'll be learning your math and your writing skills while you're taking your information technology courses. And that will require additional resources. So we think this is a good, uh, is a good adjunct. I think those are two good examples. John? Sure, I guess for us, the first thing would probably be software development, sometimes software purchasing uh, for some of these mapping programs. Uh, obviously, the work of training people to use them and training students uh, to use these tools in a very effective way. Uh, for some of the other uh, learning modules, a lot of it will probably be taking people out of the classroom and replacing them in the classroom uh, so that they can really focus on this particular task. I'm a big believer that you don't get things done unless it's really somebody's job to get them done. And so if completion is always 
somewhere far down on lots of people's uh, to-do lists, it doesn't happen. And I think that the experience shows that. So this is an opportunity to put it at the top of someone's or a few people's to-do list and really to support the students, the faculty, and advisors to make that happen. Maureen, the straight answer to that is we are moving to, uh, and it was mentioned earlier, uh, to pay the universities that, that part of their budget that comes from the state. Well, um, you'd be surprised how much attention they pay to it. I agree with you, fr <laughs> frankly, that uh, I'd like to see it higher, and I hope over time it will be. But it's a, uh, read the National Education Press. It is viewed as a, as a revolutionary step that in Indiana, the schools are beginning now to be paid not by how many people come in the door, but how many go out the door, and with what level of success. And, and I certainly believe that the, it's already, I've already seen the positive effect. There's so much more discussion now about these terrible completion rates. I didn't hear that the first year or two. And understandably, because it didn't, didn't matter in anybody's uh, subsidy. Now it does. And I think it's a very good question whether we shouldn't, uh, based on the difference we've already seen, bump that up over time. So, slightly. Yeah, how slightly, Nikki? Nowhere near. Okay. <laughs> let me make. Yeah. <laughs> let me make. I learned what slightly meant. You know, go ahead, finish. Let me make. Let me add one comment to this because we've used terms that aren't that you, you as a mother of college students, cohort means the the 25 students that were in this class go to class together for some period of time. That's what cohort means. And block scheduling means that we at the colleges will try and get all the scheduling done so the student doesn't end up with two years to a community college degree and find out they have to stay one or two semesters because they can't get that extra course. Those are the things that I think are we're going to be incumbent on us so that in four years or in two years you can take all the courses. Our nurses go to school for two and a half years and they start together and they finish together and our graduation rates once they're in nursing are above 90 percent. We're trying to learn from that. Okay, something slightly different. What what Mitch Robe testified to was that factually it costs us a lot of shots at new job and, and new investments. That's just a statement of fact, and um, and I've made the same point before. We know from our own experience. We know from the constant. Uh, uh, comments of uh, people who site select uh, for businesses that something like one-fourth to a third of their customers won't look at a state without such a law. We have a very high batting average in Indiana's case if we get a shot. In many years it's been 90 percent success so we can we can beat other states if if they'll let if the business involved will let us have a look. That's what he testified to and uh, that's an important fact. There are others, though, and, that, and the committee's there to hear the competing considerations on this very important and complex uh, uh, issue. And um, uh, that's, the, that's our input at this point. We're planning to listen to the, all the testimony that comes in uh, uh, before, uh, before we'll have a stance.
if you had his job to bring, and it's all you had to do was uh, compete successfully against uh, other states, um, you might have his viewpoint, uh, which I'm sure he clarified was his viewpoint, giving you an honest answer. It costs us one in three or one in four of all the opportunities that we don't have such a law. And that's an important fact, but it's not the only fact. Yeah, maybe. I want to hear the uh, evidence. I want to talk to all the people who have, uh, uh, who would have to come together to make such a thing occur in Indiana. I wasn't in favor of its uh, consideration in this last session, as you all know, because it had we hadn't had this kind of an open process and an airing of all the issues. So let's have that airing, and then we'll have something uh, more more definitive to say. Mm -hmm. uh, now that so much of your agenda has been passed, does that make it more likely that you'll support this next session? Well, there'll be an agenda for next session, too. You'll, you'll not be surprised to hear. But uh, uh, I, I do think that it worked out uh, in, the, in the right way, that it did not derail, uh, for instance, education reform or a strong fiscal outcome through the budget uh, this last spring. Ultimately, it's for the General Assembly to decide what to discuss, uh, but, uh, and it will be again. But when it came up rather suddenly uh, in the last session, I did say that I thought it wasn't the right time. And is the next session a better time? Well, it would be a better time. You know, is it the right time? Well, let's all discuss that together. Yeah, I th I, well, all right. I mean, far and away, the biggest problem here is the intransigence of the president and his allies. Everybody knows, or everybody who approaches this subject honestly knows, we have a huge overspending problem in this country. We cannot possibly generate the revenues to pay for it. We can't go on borrowing 40 cents of every dollar, which we've been doing. And uh, so the starting point, not the ending point, uh, should be uh, some meaningful step to reduce the uh, blowout levels of spending we're at today and, and to start reducing the unaffordable commitments that we've made for tomorrow. Uh, and so, you know, this elephant's going to have to be eaten one bite at a time. And the right first bite would be something that demonstrates to Americans, and by the way, to the markets, that we don't intend to spend and borrow ourselves over the cliff. And they ought to just, they ought to, I would also say to those uh, who agree, uh, uh, with what I just said, uh, you're never going to solve this problem in one great step. It's going to take actually years of steps if you look at the arithmetic. And therefore, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, if you can get, as they've been close to till the president uh, refused, if they can get a meaningful first step on spending, and of course you've got to raise the debt ceiling at some point, pay our past bill, uh, they ought to do that, and in the next morning, Start discussing step two. Put yourself back in your old seat for a second with your old plane. If there's nothing by August 2nd, which bills do you pay, which bills do you not pay? Well, that's the president's decision, but you know, I think you start with the uh, uh, 
those things that for the moment we call entitlements and uh, you pay the interest, you pay the debtors first, I'm sorry, the creditors, you pay the creditors and you probably send out the um, various social welfare checks, social security and the rest. But um, you know, it's not, a, it, it, it's not really a thinkable option. The, ultimately, the nation's got to make good on its debts. It's not the fault of the people they're voting now. They, most, many of them weren't there to vote for these unaffordable uh, expenditures and unkeepable promises. And uh, so again, I think the best answer is for the president to stop his demands for no real spending cuts and, and tax increases that are real and to, uh, for those who uh, correctly see the problem as spending, to get as much as they can get and then immediately start talking about the next step. Well, to the extent we do, it's to be prepared, as we are, um, almost uniquely, with money in reserve. Um, if hypothetically the federal government really did um, have a temporary collapse of its uh, activities, you know, we could cover, for instance, if Medicaid checks didn't come. Other states would be up a creek. Yeah, I don't. No, I disagree with that. I, I, their uh, their intentions are good, but I don't think they've thought through the potential consequences to the country. Oh, a giant leap! A giant leap in uh, interest rates uh, would and um, uh, probably an, an end to investment in the country means fewer jobs. Um, you'd probably have a big run-up in uh, commodity prices like gasoline because the world would assume that instead of doing what's right, starting to limit our spending, the world would assume we're just going to print money and inflate away some of the debt we have. And you, you, the first thing you'd see is probably five, six dollar gas, followed by a big increase in, your, in the interest rates you pay for any money you've borrowed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, we're going to just move as fast as we can, and they may be. It may be possible to begin uh, begin the process of uh, design and so forth on at least stage five, the one from Bloomington on up to. 465. We've been moving ahead of schedule so far, and I'm always pressing to see if we can get further ahead of schedule. You know, uh, funding not going to be a particular problem because uh, it'll be an expensive item, among others, but we'll have taken care of the vast majority of the expense. And uh, as you know, the expense keeps coming down. Being able to build now when uh, the markets are really good for this, other states aren't building much. Uh, we're getting underruns on every single bid, and uh, being able to build more quickly always saves money um, uh, because uh, you're not paying in costs that will go up at some point. So we'll, you know, we'll just get as far as we can get. I would point out by the time uh, that uh, 
the first four sections are finished, you'll be connected to a four-lane divided highway, basically, from there on. And so it'll be, uh, I'm sure the road will be completed, but you'll have a lot of the functionality that we've needed to try to bring some economic life to southwest Indiana. You have an awful lot of it when you've got those first four in place. Okay, thank you.